I pledge myself to the pod. Loyal I'll always be. A P to start, a D at the end, and an O sitting in between. Welcome back to An Omnia Paratus. I'm Jay, like the letter. And I'm Angela, also known as AVO. Okay, Angela, I saw this TikTok and I need you to really think about this because I've been trying to think about this and I'm getting too overwhelmed, okay? Okay. If you're at your best, meaning you're shaved, you're waxed, no surgery has happened and you can't change your physical shape, like say I'm going to drop 20 pounds today, but like at your current physique, you like look 10 out of 10, you get eyelashes that fit your eyes correctly, you can contour correctly, like everything currently that you could do non-surgically is to the 10s, okay? Okay. You can wear shapewear, you can wear whatever you want to make yourself feel like that 10, okay? Okay. What celebrity do you think you could seduce? And this is not a celebrity crush. This is someone who you would look at and want to and would want to go home with you. Oh, okay. Wow. So I don't pay a lot of attention to celebrity couplings or dating rumors. So I don't know whose type I would be. Oh, that's really hard. So you didn't settle on anyone. I was trying to think of things. And then like knowing me, I went too, too much to personality. And I was like, shit, this isn't going to work. It's like at first I was like, okay, well, Noah sent to now. It's like, he's really really spiritual right now and like into super stupid things but then he also dated Alexis Ren who's a model so it's like <laughs> eh. so like, I went like too deep into the it's like Ryan Reynolds is old even though he's super funny like he's old I was trying to really think of like all of the factors together and I settled on KJ Appa somehow I don't know why because I saw a lot of Riverdale videos he's from New Zealand or Australia so I get the accent he's attractive but not like 10 out of 10 but it's also like someone who would have social currency if I told our peers the story and I didn't think Cole Sprouse. Actually, I thought of Cole Sprouse. I was like, that's not going to work out. So I moved over to KJ Appa. Okay. All right. I mean, I don't think that's bad. He's, he's, is the red hair natural? No. Okay. 23. Okay. We're fine. I couldn't think of many peers or not peers, I guess, like celebrities from the ages of like 25 to like 35. Either the ones who are 35, I still think are playing high school or super fathers. <laughs> so it's hard to just, cipher within that range it really is i'm i'm trying to think about it right now and i don't know if i can name anyone who's actually in my age range and we'll even be generous and describe my age range as 21 to 35 i mean if they're celebrities yeah well like at first i was gonna say marcus from Ginny and georgia but then i felt i was lowballing myself because he's like new celebrity and i feel like i could do a little bit better than new celebrity but like i couldn't also go like all the way to like top celebrities I was trying to find some <laughs> and Taylor Lautner would be a great another example but he's all Christian now so it's like ah oh, mm. you're out of the running okay any musicians athletes I don't know I've never really been one for celebrity crushes this isn't a crush though this is like someone just on their physicality you think if you wanted to take you home would oh oh okay all right so I have no clue what they currently look like <laughs> <laughs> is this like an animated character or some shit? No, no. This is those um it was another TikTok and it was a can, can I can I say this word on the podcast? An, an F Mary Kill. Oh yeah, that's fine. Okay. So, it was all classic CW shows. So, I was stuck between Gossip Girl, Chase Crawford and Ed Westwick, and The Vampire Diaries, Ian Somerhalder, and Paul Wesley. <laughs> Ed Westwick is accused of rape. Multiple allegations. No. Since Gossip Girl. Oh. So, like, when he joined TikTok and, like, I was sending it, everyone's going crazy. I got, like, six TikToks in a row. Hey, everyone, just so we all know how excited you are that, like, 
this alleged rapist is on TikTok. Like, maybe let's stop sharing all of the content. It's like, <sighs> yeah. Oh, man. Carry I'm on. supposed to go see his new movie. Okay, I Donate guess we're going the with- The amount you spend on snacks to a women's shelter? Excellent idea. Okay, all right. We're going with Vampire Diaries, either Paul Wesley or Ian Summerholder. Okay, so you think of like you saw them at a bar at like your 10 out of 10, like one of them would take you home. Uh, Well, you know, in my distant fantasies, I think that I'm slightly Nina Dobrev-esque and didn't they both date her at once? No. My, my very Ian. distant fantasies, but no, just just Ian. Yeah, just Ian dated him, dated her. Excuse me. Okay. Um, ooh. All right, yeah, it would it, it would probably be one of them. I also ran through, of course, the cast of Degrassi because there are so many generations in there and they are always around our age. So I'm like, who would I have wanted to? And I'm like trying to think. I think the first guy I thought was attractive on Degrassi was Drew. And he like got in with the influencers for a while. Oh, okay. Was he also on awkward Ooh, no oh i think i could get i think i could convince Bo, whatever at a bar mitchoff meacham mitchoff sure or colin i don't know if i'd want to take colin home he can sing though right because he was also on glee oh shit oh yeah he's back at the running <laughs> yeah this is a lot harder than it sounds i know because it's like like i'm not trying to be like oh i could get anyone but also you don't want to undersell yourself if you're at your 10 because I saw this other TikTok yesterday of like, why is what we all look at as relatable as like, I'm sad sometimes and like, I'm life's not going great. Like, why aren't we all relating on the fact that like, we're hot shit and like, can do what we want and like, have the power? Because she's like, if we only relate on the things that are like sad, it's not, we don't grow from it. And it's like, I kind of agree and I kind of disagree. I think you shouldn't be portraying either as relatable, shouldn't be the standard of relatable because yes, we all have bad days, but if that's what we're using to find our connection with other people, then like, we're only connecting over being sad. I think that's true, but I think a lot of that also goes into the idea of what we're sharing with other people and the things that we're trying to seek out common bonds with. Mm -hmm. Because if you're only sharing instances where you're sad or upset or frustrated or where things didn't work out as the way that you try to relate with other people, I feel like that's where the bad standard comes in. Yeah, I feel like it's an overcorrection from filters and filler and everything on social media to everyone's like, no, to be relatable, you have to be like burping on camera and like not not editing and all of that. And I think it's a balance. I think there are the days where you're in a cave, watch 10 things of what I like about you and eat like a bag of chips. And then there are other days where you get your hair done, go on a vacation and like buy a bunch of outfits for it. And both sides should be shown to give the most accurate picture of what quote relatable should be could be here here speaking of unrelatable lifestyles what are we talking about today so today we are launching our first book club episode on the great gatsby so earlier this season i found out that jay did not take english lit for her last two years of high school so she missed out on a quintessential rite of passage reading the great gatsby written by francis scott key fitzgerald in 1925 this is the story that brought us the mysterious man named Gatsby, who throws lavish parties in the name of love and the great impact that he has on one man. So of course, I couldn't let this travesty go unremedied, so in what I hope will become a regular series for us, I submit forth to you an Omnia Paratus' one-stop bookshop, an irreverent book club that hosts spirited discussions on classics and camp, chat books, and collections. And of course, I'm calling it one-stop bookshop because we will link various bookstores where you can find these books. And ideally shopping local within your own city would be best. You know, it's very lucky right now most of our listenership, we know where they're located. That's not creepy at all to say. (laughs) 
Okay, more than half of the people who are listening to us are our friends still, so. I know, but that's still creepy. Eh. So I somehow didn't read most of the classic books that you're quote unquote supposed to read between middle school and high school. My cousin went to a private school and I know he read them all. Some people at my school did. I don't think all of my friends did who went to my school because my school structured. If you didn't take AP classes, then you didn't do kind of the traditional books necessarily. Like I read some of them. Like I read Catcher in the Rise about the kid, right? Yes. Holden Yeah, so I read that one. I read that one about the angsty kid. All I kind of remember is I think he has a prostitute in it. I read Water of the Flies. I read Catch-22. I read A Streetcar Named Desire. So it's like I read Death of a Salesman. I read some like classic gear books. But the big ones like Gatsby, Gone with the Wind, Controversies, Grapes of Wrath, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Like I've never read. My reference point for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is an episode of Psych. Oh, love that episode. Molly Ringwald. She does great things. So I wanted to see what Rory Gilmore and book nerds like Angela found in these books or what most high school kids had to deal with with reading this book. And because I would not classify myself as like a big reader, I didn't want one too big to make sure we could record in timely for this episode which is why we chose Gatsby. Because unlike a lot of the greats, this book is under 200 pages. It's the perfect size. Angela, take me back to you and your hiked up knee sock or ankle sock uniform with whatever like accessories and legally blondes it you did to it. And tell me what we learned in English class. So I went into my basement and I found an old notebook that had a partial discussion of Gatsby in it. So I went back and I pulled out some of my old discussion outlines. So today we're going to go through the pre-reading section, vocabulary assessment, novel outline, discussion questions, and then we'll be subbing out the AP prep and practice portion for a film section in our opinions. What do you think? We're going to take an accelerated course in what would usually be a one-month study of this book? Oh my god, one of my friends already was, I feel like I've been in school longer listening to your podcast than I have been since I graduated. (laughs) And after listening to that, I'm like, oh god, we promise it'll be entertaining. I have a lot of very, I don't know if they would be unpopular, but I have a lot of confused opinions on the piece mainly being why is this the standard we go with and accept as like good literature but we'll get into that whenever it comes to it well would you like to start there i normally get post reprimanded for not following said outline so since i am channeling my inner we'll say madeline i'd be like more like madeline than louise i try to pay attention half the time we'll let you lead oh geez does this make me paris you said it not me okay all right you could be brad (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna pass on brad because i really don't want to sing again when did i sing before um i don't know what episode you sang hag is this theme song oh, that and doesn't count got it continue okay taking into consideration that we're treating this like a high school study of course i'm using my old high school study discussions but jay we're going to treat this as a high school topic with a college discussion. Nothing's going to be right. Nothing's going to be wrong. All opinions are valid. It's just whether or not you have the information to back it up. Sound good? You sounded like such a freaking politician there. <laughs> like there's no, your answers are valid, but they're also not is 
what I heard. Well, no, it's that literally part of what I love about English is that everything is open to interpretation. That's why I hate English. <laughs> that's why I'm a that's why I'm a STEM girl through and through. Very interesting. Okay, see, that's what I like about it because it's always evolving. There's always a different perspective. You might think you fully understand something and then you can meet someone else who has another opinion that can completely flip your ups- your understanding upside down. And that's how I go into my third existential crisis of the year. Okay, all right. We're we'll, we'll we'll try to move quickly and gently. So, in the pre-reading section, before you study any book, it's important to understand its background. And this is everything from the author's life history, literary movements of the time, any major political, economic, or social events, all of these influence the book. And they're going to help build the lens through which we use to examine the basis of this novel. So one of the reasons that Gatsby is incredibly popular academically is because it checks almost every box. It's full of symbolism and witty, elegant prose. Like there are so many different literary devices in here. And then historically- What is a prose? Hmm? And is it, is a prose plural? Is a prose plural? Like is prose a singular or plural? Um, well, I'm going to go with singular. Like it's so what written if they're language. Multiple? Oh, so is it a style? So technically I've, so I didn't see this in the dictionary definition, but when I, I went through like a list of high school terms last night that are presented in California and prose is actually used now also to determine sequence of events but I went through a lot of my books and prose was not defined that way got it I feel like this is my version of are you smarter than a fifth grader and how does that make you feel I mean I chose the book or I chose to do this because I was curious about why classics are classics and why they're revered the way they are I mean I think you'll do very well and one of the things also to understand about classics is that there are classics in every genre not every classic is a classic for the same reason it's almost a subjective classification in that there might be one element in it that makes it better than others that that use those elements or there might be several different ones that hold it to a different standard. Can you give me an example? So Gatsby is considered a classic because of the elegant style of the writing, the way that descriptions are used and the colorful adjectives and things like that. It's what draws you in, evokes emotion, and takes you along this ride. It's not because anything about the content is particularly wonderful and super exemplary of American life. That's no classic is a classic because of the content. Most classics, people actually don't really enjoy those stories. They have characters that they hate. There's weird things about setting, and but they're classics because the language draws you in. The language put me to sleep twice while I tried to watch the movie to prep for this. So I think that's actually a common problem that a lot of people run into. I think that personally, Gatsby is one of those books that you have to do a second pass and you should generally do it with some time in between in order to fully understand it. I think that it's kind of like when actors talk about playing the role of Juliet. When you play Juliet, you're too young to understand. When you're old enough to understand Juliet, you're too old to play her. Ooh, that sounds deep. See, this is the side I think you need to show people more. You're very smart and wordy, and you hide it behind the ums, likes, 
Yeah, no, yeah. I do. This is the way you would speak if everyone spoke this way. Yes. I don't know. It was not something that particularly, well, I mean, it always bothered me growing up. But then as an adult, when I've tried to have conversations with other people and make friends, and I thought that we had moved beyond the way. And I thought that we could all move beyond criticizing like the little quirks around language and hobbies and thought processes and all of that. But I still encounter it quite a lot. When I try to bring up a book that I'm reading with most people, still the answer that I get most often is, hmm, yeah, I just, I don't think I'm smart enough for that. I don't really do books. And then conversations just come to a grinding halt. Hmm. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I became friends with you. You're like my human dictionary. Oh, thank you. Okay, back to pre-reading. Another reason that Gatsby is great for studying in high school is because it checks like all of these different historical boxes too. For background here, these are some of the things that you should know going into the novel. It's written, published, and set in the 1920s in the period right before World War II and the Great Depression, also known as the Roaring Twenties, but for the purpose of our discussion, we are noting that this is the Jazz Age. And the Jazz Age was a huge cultural and artistic movement which impacted every area of life and art. And it brought around its own particular literary movement, which influenced many authors and brought about a style of describing life in an unapologetic and unveiled way. So we're going to talk about that a little bit more later, but that's important to know. Politically, the women's movement was making huge strides that led to a new independence for women and brought about the flapper. Prohibition was technically legislatively strong with the ratification of the 18th Amendment, but authorities were more than happy to look the other way. During this period, there was also a huge economic boom that led to huge wealth and extreme poverty. Lavish parties for all, but a lavish lifestyle for only, we're gonna say, like, the 1%. And... Most importantly, Fitzgerald drew a lot from his own life to create what he called his extraordinary and beautiful masterpiece, The Great Gatsby. He, like Gatsby, came from new money and moved through a world of opulence where he always felt like an outsider and always in search of acceptance. He and his wife Zelda met under similar circumstances to Daisy and Gatsby at an officer's party where they had a whirlwind romance that led to an engagement broken because of a question of lifestyle, aka Zelda didn't think he had enough money. Then, about two years later, published his first novel, gained money, status, and acclaim, and then within a few weeks, she married him. He even used quotes from their real life as dialogue in the novel. I just realized we could name this episode Jay Gatsby, but like with my name. Oh, I really like that. We're doing that. So I know that that sounds like a lot, but trust me, in high school, we'd usually spend like two weeks going over all of this. So I boil it down for you. It's like summer school, but in a podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if um, we have any like Gen Zers, high schoolers, totally feel free to pull us out for AP season. Oh my God, that'd be a great niche. Right? Like, I don't know what movie this is. And I think I already talked about this in another podcast. So maybe you'll know. There's some movie Rob loaded years ago that's like an English book that everyone has to read. So he's like every year I get tweets and like comments about people like with this exact piece. And I know why because it's from all the young people that it's a book that they have to read for English class. Oh, it's probably The Outsiders. That sounds familiar. Yeah, I think there are a ton of big names in that one. Didn't read that one either. It's okay. It's 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 kind of sad. I focused on Greek mythology and Shakespeare. Oh, we should do a Shakespeare episode. Oh my God. If we do i have like an uncle who's like a shakespeare like fanatic and i would see if he could do it or we could have my twin do it i feel like if you're gonna do shakespeare you need an actor Ooh, or my uncle has like a friend who's like really funny she's awesome 
Oh, okay. But my point is if we're doing Shakespeare, we need like an actor. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. All right. So that's our pre-reading section. Jay, vocab. Let's talk about the language of the novel, which you said put you to sleep. Oh my God. Thank goodness you warned me about those first 30 pages. I didn't not read them. I, and I did go back to like make sure I was getting certain parts of it. But like, holy shit. It's a slog, especially the first time you read it. In So in high school, our teacher actually insisted on reading the first 30 pages aloud to us in class. She's like, so you can make it through to actually get to the interesting part of the book. That is a very generous teacher. It felt like I just read 30 pages of adjectives. Oh, 100%. of real sentences. So being now almost 10 years older than I was when I first read this book, Wow, wait, I'm exactly 10 years older. Yeah, I'm like, wow, you must be. Yeah, okay. A decade later. Terrifying. Yes, so a decade later, I'm now reading this book again. The first 30 pages were not awful. Now I actually understand them. So, and you'll have to tell me if this makes sense to you as well. So Nick Carraway, our narrator, he is a lost soul. And I think that... Oh my God, I just got where you're going with the Gossip Girl comparison. Is he is he Penn Badgley? <laughs> he is. <laughs> so Nick Carraway is kind of lost. And as our narrator, he has a lot of disjointed and kind of apathetic thoughts. But his focus comes into play when Gatsby's in the picture. He kind of drifts almost in and out of consciousness. And in these first few pages before he meets Gatsby and he has any sort of relevance to him, he floats along and we float with him with nothing real concrete to attach to. So it's not that these first 30 pages are actually boring, don't need to be there, or don't make sense. It's that they're not meant to make sense until we actually meet Gatsby. My brain hurts already? Yes. I'm really not like, I am someone who definitely for a lot of their life had a chip on their shoulder about reading. So like this like brings me back to like high school reading days where it's like, I I didn't do poorly in English classes, but like they definitely weren't my strong suit. So like this is bringing me like, oh my God, like I remember having to do this, like the critical thinking section and like interpreting quotes, gig, like getting paragraphs and being like, write an essay about like this paragraph and what it means. I'm like, oh my God, bringing me back. It's okay. It's okay. Shake it off we're doing we're doing call we're doing college discussion we just do you do you agree do you disagree i mean do you hate we'll come, we'll come back to this in 2031 <laughs> with my with my decade follow-up of those 30 pages well luckily we're self-funded so we'll probably still be around then um i think because i'm not a reader and particularly because i'm not like a literature reader because you gave me the warning i didn't take it too difficult like take be too hard on myself when reading those pages i'm like mm -hmm. this just doesn't make sense and then i reread it after i read the spark note summary to see if i got the main points of it and it still didn't make sense but it gave me a little bit more context when we when rereading it mm -hmm. which is how i came to the conclusion of too many adjectives. Okay. Your explanation makes sense. I understand your explanation as to why it's okay that it doesn't make sense, but I don't, in the words of Marie Kondo, that doesn't bring me joy. <laughs> I like books that make sense. Okay. Remind me to never have you read Beautiful Monster then. Is that a Lady Gaga song? Uh, No, but it actually, when I heard it, it did remind me of a Lady Gaga song. It's a novel by Chuck Palahniuk and in it, it's the way that he writes he's incredibly stylistic and he this this novel is actually pretty cool you every chapter 
you have to flip. It's one of those that, God, how do I describe it? What's the term? It's almost like a choose your own adventure. At the end of every chapter, it's like, and then turn to page 54. And then you have to flip the books up upside down. It's like, and then you finish that chapter and it's like, go back to page 32. And then you have to flip the book again and read there and finish that chapter. And then you just keep going back and forth like that. I feel like that's how I felt watching Doctor Strange. It made me sick. All right. Never mind. We'll never open that book. It's like bop it. Oh, kind of. That's a good way to describe it. Okay. So you asked me my opinions on Nick. And as soon as you told me the Gossip Girl thing and they just clicked, I'm like, oh my God. He's, I don't know if Gen Z would define him as like a sad boy, but like that's how like in my imagination of what Gen Z would define, he kind of seems it. Kind of. I also think Gen Z would call him a pick me. I think that's the term. What I think he would also be a pick me. What is I that? I don't fully know. Let me here. I'm gonna text my Gen Z experts right now <laughs> and okay. we'll follow up. I'll have can you define what a sad boy, boy, girl, and a pick me are? We'll see if I get a response before the end. But it, to me it sounds like that's what he is. Okay. Was there any character that you liked? <sighs> not like at in not in their entirety, mm-hmm. but I think kind of I saw their value to the story by the end. Mm-hmm. But like it's just a lot of very troubled people who could use therapy and for the amount of money they have should be in therapy. Five points to Jay. Good job. We're not supposed to like Thank any you. of these guys. Like I like the Tiffany jewelry that was in the movie. <laughs> That was very pretty. I don't know if Fitzgerald really intended for us to like any of them, but rather they all serve this purpose in his novel of making us examine society. So, Jay. Society is shit. Basically, do you think that much has changed between their world then and our world now? I think, ooh, ooh. I think Tom Buchanan would have stormed the Capitol. Oh, totally. Totally. He would have stormed the Capitol. Daisy would have covered for him. Uh, Jordan would have called the FBI, but just so that she could have said that she was a witness to everything that happened. Nick probably would have like been watching from the hotel room Mm -hmm. as they stormed the Capitol, too afraid to actually storm it himself, even though he wasn't sure if it was right to do. And Gatsby would have thrown the after party. I don't know if Gatsby would have tried. I don't know if Gatsby would have been involved. He's way too Hmm. wrapped up in Daisy. But all of them, clearly, I thought I saw the movie all the way through. I clearly didn't watch the movie after finishing the book because I didn't know anyone died. Spoiler alert, multiple people died. Yeah, no, I clearly didn't finish the movie. I think I might have just watched the party scenes. Oh my lord. Like you said, the best part is his visual symbolic language that they can do artistically in film. So those were the only scenes worth watching because the dialogue and the characters suck. Lord, okay, so did you watch the Baz Luhrmann version or did you watch one of the older ones? Originally, I saw the Leo one. Okay. But I was told to watch the, I think it's 1984 version as well, but I couldn't find it for free. Mm -hmm. So someone would like to sponsor me in watching that movie, feel free to Venmo me. (laughs) (laughs) I've only seen the Leo one, but I I really like it. I think that the way that it's set up and the way that like Baz Luhrmann puts his movies together, it really reminds me of what it's like to look back on memories. Everything is simultaneously so vivid and yet disjointed, which I think also worked in really well because I think the movie tried to capture some of like Nick's disjointed ramblings, but they they made it make too much sense. Interesting. I was told the older version does better with the characters, mm-hmm. like the actual acting and the roles and the portrayal of the story versus this one is much more obviously big bang theatrical like eye-catching and like fun mm-hmm. 
to watch because of like the colors and the outfits and like the budget, of course. Excellent soundtrack too. Again, I think I fell asleep with the I don't remember the soundtrack. I'll send you a I'll send you the oh, Spotify playlist. Does Lana Del Rey Yes. Or is that Beyonce? Is Beyonce on that one too? Yes. No, Beyonce was 50 sh- Beyonce was on the soundtrack or am I getting her confused when when she did 50 shades? <laughs> I know they both do slow versions of songs. Yes. So she she's on both. Great. And I think both are okay. crazy in love. Okay. Love that I'm not that I'm not crazy. So I think in Fifty Shades, maybe it's crazy in love, but I don't know if Beyonce sings it. Mm. But in Gatsby, she does. I think so. Got it. We'll fact check. Okay. All right, Jay. Do we want to talk any about symbolism? One can try. Okay. So in your opinion. Which of Fitzgerald's symbols has more meaning, the green light or the eyes of Dr. T.J. Eckelberg? I feel like reading it, probably the eyes, but like in the movie, the the light. I feel like a light is very visual <laughs> to imagine it versus like to see it versus like I feel like imagine seeing eyes. I don't know. Okay. All right. Did either of them have a great impact on you? No. Explain to me what the symbols were trying to get across. Okay. Or so- what they were representing so the green light at the end of daisy's dock that gots that gotsby that gatsby (laughs) that gatsby stares at nightly is symbolic of not only daisy but the entire dream of a life that he has for himself because as you know from the book he's wanted something more for himself ever since he was small but as he grew and then he met Daisy all of that became intertwined with her and her presence in his life and so having is Dan Humphrey just all of the sucky parts of the characters okay so I think that Dan Humphrey is Gatsby, but instead of going out and finding people to write about him, he decided to write about himself. He was his own Nick Carraway because he went out, created- Is he just all the characters in Gatsby? Uh, no, he's Nick and Gatsby. Uh, Serena and Blair have parts of Daisy. Chuck is Tom Buchanan. And, um, unfortunately, much like in Dan Humphrey's novel Inside, Nate is a non-existent character. Damn. Yep. But, so, where Ga- where Gossip Girl differentiates itself from Gatsby is that Gatsby is about the American dream failing, and in Gossip Girl, it's the American dream realized. It's where all of Ooh, these characters then were able to actually project themselves outside of, like, their privilege and their bubble, learn to grow a little bit, do some of the hard work, and actually get what they wanted. Whereas Gatsby trapped himself in an illusion from five years previously and did not want to move on with his life. Ooh, I can kind of see like parts of Nate and Jordan. Okay, tell me about that. Always around and kind of like involved, but like not a main character. Okay. (laughs) Like especially when he kind of goes into politics, I feel like Nate is always walking that line of like ethical and Mm non-ethical. I mean, Jordan's much more unapologetic about it. Mm-hmm. See, that reminded me a lot of Jenny Humphrey. Mm, I feel like I would pull more Sebastian Stan. I don't remember. Chip? Or is that Aaron Tveit shit? Aaron Tveit. Trip. Close enough. Also, why do they call people named William Trip? I don't know. Well, we'll be excited for you to fact check that in the show notes. See, like I get Rob being Bob. I can even Richard go with... Yeah, well, I, I no, I don't understand that one, actually. I don't understand jack for john and i don't understand bill for will were the names just too common so that they had to come up with like a secondary i've never heard john and jack what oh yeah i know several people whose names are john and they go by jack that sounds like a white people thing 
they are all white. Yes. Huh. <laughs> I mean, frankly, all the wills for bills I know are also white too. So maybe they were trying to be more unique than the other white name they were given. I don't know. Maybe. Well, I'll find out. But I think putting that, comparing Gossip Girl to Gatsby in that way, I understand. It's more entertaining or at least thought-provoking for me to hear it compared that way because a lot of the things I read, because after I read the book, I Googled word for word, why is The Great Gatsby a great novel or something (laughs) to that extent? Uh huh. And I found a lot of articles of like why you should read it after, like why you should read it, what it means for culture, what it did in symbolizing, you said, the American dream and materialism and social class and all of these things. And I was like, okay, I get it. But I think for me, it's one of those things similarly to how Emmanuel Acho said post after Final Rose. It's like, like all history is meant to be remembered, not all is meant to be celebrated, I think is the quote. And I feel like Gatsby is celebrated, but I feel like Gatsby is a better tool for remembrance, but it's revered as if we're celebrating it can still. Interesting. Like at one point it was one of the burned books, right? So I don't know. I found it on a few banned lists more recently, Mm -hmm. but nothing really from the time when it came out. So like it was published. It didn't do very well. Gatsby only gained public acclaim, I think, during World War II when it went through a second reprint and was sent to soldiers as part of this little book stack that was given to them for entertainment. So it only really became popular about 20 years after it was published. So modern book burnings and bannings, yes, but I don't know about back then. But one of the interesting things that I did, because I I will admit I did peek a little bit into your notes because I was curious as to what you thought. So I did a little bit of research on banned books in the United States. Why do we still have any sort of books with opposition here? I don't understand that. Can you rephrase that? Okay, here, let's put it this way. Why do we have, why are we censoring books that our Why are we censoring books that are marked for their explicit content or religious content or yeah, I think those are the two that I saw most often. Like why are we editing those parts out or why are we excluding those books from education? Why are we excluding those books from education? Why are people like getting together at churches to burn them, at community halls to destroy them? I don't I don't understand. Like, okay, so Gatsby actually has only been involved in a few of these. I think there were like three notable instances in the United States. But there were other books like The Bluest Eye, Toni Morrison, To Kill a Mockingbird, Harper Lee, Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry, Mildred Taylor, Catcher in the Rye. I don't... Oh, well, like we said, that has um, um, prostitution. So then don't teach it to children. But that doesn't mean that you have to try to get it completely banned from libraries and bookstores. I mean, yeah, but I would say the same thing, like, not to get too deep in political, I would say the same thing about abortion. It's a thing of like, if you're not going to have one, don't do it. If you're not, don't want a book, don't read it. It's choosing, especially for religious institutions, choosing that their way is the way that everyone should have to exist, which isn't right. And I would be really surprised, frankly, if religious organizations were burning Gatsby because I feel like Gatsby is the evangelical dream. Hmm. Describe that. Um... White man by any means necessary puts on a facade and opulence of wealth to get a girl and almost succeeds. Other successful white, all successful white men holding power over women and thriving to some extent where white people are in power and hold the power structure and create the systems. Ooh, excuse me. 
we have a live caller. But yeah, I feel like Gatsby is like the epitome of like the ideal of the American dream of how Gatsby wanted to get out of his situation and did and good. Mm -hmm. And if one people pull from books what they want, I pull that everyone's a shitty character and I think Nick is weak and I think everyone needs therapy. But if you're someone who is trying to get out of your station and then or you're you're bitter like Tom Buchanan is the whole time of how the I will not use the word he used, but the POCs are like coming for them and they need to keep them down. And like you have that same sentiment and then you have Gatsby who's able to to get above where he started and shows that there are no real obstacles for them and that they hold the power and that that's just where it exists. And I feel like going into like why this is a classic novel, it's like, well, who held the power to decide this was a classic novel? Expand on that. Well, it's the same thing with movies. Who... Like the one comparison I have is I remember when everyone thought Straight Outta Compton deserved to be nominated for an Oscar and it wasn't. And now Mm -hmm. slowly other movies, but it's like, well, let's look at who's the panel and why are they the panel? And I thought the same thing when we were having our conversation about Tarantino, like why is Tarantino this revered thing? And then I don't know if you watched the TikTok I sent you, but it was this girl saying like Tarantino movies described by guys who like wanted me to watch it with them. And they say these things like, oh my God, like Tarantino still shoots on film like isn't that so cool how he's like sticking to his art it's like every movie made before like 1950 was shot on film tarantino is keeping his art till modern day and i understand why that's something like that's a cool thing but he didn't invent film and they kind of it's a lot of mansplaining involved oh completely so it's a thing of like okay tarantino well why because who's making the decisions and who's saying it and the Bechdel test. Like I'm sure none of Tarantino's movie passed the Bechdel test. Oh, true. Probably wouldn't pass any of them. I think there are like so 10 like, different versions of the Bechdel test now. I don't think they could. And so it's a thing of like, like you said at the beginning, classic novels are classic, but it's a subjective term. But I think there are certain things like Gatsby is known as an American classic, which I agree with. But I also think like we need to stop making words all encompassing. Like classic doesn't necessarily mean revered, great, amazing. That it means it's a classic classic of a time in American history. Yes. Just like the founding fathers were a classic piece of American history. But now in the day and age we are, we need to expand on that. It's like, okay, Gatsby did X, Y, and Z. And it's a great symbolistic piece of what America was like during that time written by a racist classist drunkard. Let's explore that side as well. Do people not explore that side? I don't know. I didn't do it in high school. But I feel like when I read the when I was doing a lot of the reading, it was all about, um, for example, one of the articles from Wikipedia says, Western canon is the body of high culture, literature, music, philosophy, and works of art that is highly valued in the West. Hmm. I mean, I mean, I think I agree generally that you're correct because a lot of what I saw in terms of high school interpretations of the Gatsby really don't explore much of when this was written and who Fitzgerald was and why this is what it is and what we should take into account when we read it. But at the same time, I think that that's also... No. So I completely agree with you. And I think that this is maybe where we balance each other out a little bit and you kind of like fill in the gaps of things where I haven't exactly thought it through because that was never taught to me in high school. But it's also something that I didn't necessarily think that other people didn't understand or wouldn't take into account when they were reading the book. I mean, it was the 2011-2012 lens. Yes. But I mean, that was a reference to Chris Harrison. Ah, got it. (laughs) 
to me, I I sort of took it as like, oh, this is school. Like they can't tell us these things. They don't want to tell us these things. I, I don't really know the reason, but I knew that there was more to the story. And I think that that's something that I think that that's something that we need to make clear going forward for those who haven't thought about this. I think it's a I think it's hard and I feel like an easier situation of this would be sex ed. It's the parents job to teach children. And I agree it's parents jobs to teach children. However, as school goes, there is a service to supplement that education and to help educate the humans going into the world because that's typically unless you're homeschooled from like five to 18. So it's like kind of figuring that out, that balance out because think of it this way. If you go from five to 18 reading classic books in the way you were taught and whether it was your own critical thinking or your family to disagree with you and kind of to bring in those other factors, why would you know? How could you know? That That is very true. So I guess, I guess on that front, I had a really great well-rounded education because my mom reads similarly to I do like my family loves to debate different topics like this and discuss books with each other and then I was lucky because I went to a private high school and I took way more than the regular English classes and I took as little as I could get away (laughs) with I took extra math classes whenever I could oh yeah I opted out of math as soon as I could this is why you calculate the tip it's really not that hard you just move the decimal and multiply by two. However, we shouldn't be tipping because we should just be paying people a fair wage. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Here, here. I think, I guess like my big problem with Gatsby, and it's not the book itself, although it wasn't my favorite book to read. Once you get past the 30 pages, it is like, I read it. I made it through. It's how socially it's perceived before reading it. That kind of takes me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think it's this great book, but I think it's held up to this like, standard of like, you haven't read The Great Gatsby. Like, everyone's read The Great Gatsby. Why don't... And I don't think it now through all the therapy. It's not a reflection of me when the people are offended. I haven't read The Great Gatsby. But it's just a way of when you hear the book talked about in other works of art, movies, TV shows, referenced by other people. Mm-hmm. Similar to Tarantino, it's like, oh, yeah, well, blah, 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 you know, like, Tom Buchanan and the Great Gatsby, it's like, well, I don't think any anyone who is pulling out Tom Buchanan as the reason why you should read the Great Gatsby. Is no, a but problem. I'm saying like but I'm saying a thing of like, oh, well, you know, like F Scott Fitzgerald thing on the American dream, blah, blah, blah. There are plenty of other things that show you about post-war 20s, 30s. Like there are plenty of other works of thing. It's like, but this one, because it has like the, the social systemic stamp of classic, it's social currency. And after reading it, I don't feel like it holds the value in which I thought it would prior to reading it. Interesting. So I mean, frankly, anyone who's reading anything for, for social currency in my opinion probably does not have a good understanding of the book. So I think one of the things that is most often left out of discussions of The Great Gatsby is that it's intended as a satire. None of this is meant to be held up as a great depiction of the time. It's all meant to be a critical reading of what's going on. Okay, that makes more sense. My thing though is high schoolers, like you said, take two weeks to a month to fully flesh out this book and some hit those points, some don't hit those points. The longer and more distant you are away from kind of all of the messaging of kind of like the critical thinking of it and it's like 
a fact you just throw out. It's like, oh, well, you know, in The Great Gatsby, it's kind of and. Like, kudos. You went to high school. You went to public high school in America. The big thing, it's kind of like holding Gatsby up in this way socially and holding all art and literature and things known as classics up to a social currency slash moral high ground slash education and intellect. And yes, this is all a reflection of how one sees themselves because hearing Angela's read every book on the planet should not intimidate and or have any account on my intellect and what I know and what I can contribute, such as this podcast kind of topic. However, it's definitely a thing that certain people hold value and put these things there for their own thing. And when it's already kind of a weak point for me in terms of like reading and books and being able to understand these symbolistic things. Yes, I'm pretty sure symbolistic isn't a word. Again, I'm not the wordy one here. It's difficult to not reflect and internalize it and kind of look into that part that is feels a little bit of shame without having this vast vocabulary or this vast knowledge of classic books. So I think it's all about kind of internally acknowledging that it's like a weak point in oneself and then also questioning why things are the way they are. I don't know if I told you about this, Angela. I watched doc. Oh no, we did talk about this. There's a documentary on HBO Max about the Meyer Briggs personality test and why it's ableist, sexist, racist, all of these kinds of things. But it's also the most known personality test in the world. Mm-hmm. And people easily define themselves by their traits. So I think that questioning as to why we why we use these things, what is their use? I think with all things good, bad, ugly, pretty, intellectual, reality TV, there's always something you can take away from it. And I feel like rather than putting words such as classic on things, read this, read this piece of art, read this from someone's point of view, and let's talk about it. Exactly. See, this is exactly why it's really important to actually experience these things firsthand for yourself and form your own opinions. Because just because someone says something about it does not mean that's right, correct, the only way to look at it, or the most popular opinion. And I think one of the great things about literature and the fact that Gatsby has continually studied is that we now have very new points of view coming about. So Jay, I think that we should end with this last one and you can let me know how you feel about it. I'm ready. In recent years, some discussions have come up of whether or not Nick Carraway is in love with Jay Gatsby. Oh, I love that. Right? I love that. I don't see that. Okay. I feel like he's very parallel to Jay Gatsby in terms of like, he loves the idea of Jay Gatsby. Gatsby loves the idea of Daisy and loves the idea of wealth and power. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's who Gatsby is as a person. I think it's his perception of the way he thinks Gatsby is perceived by the world. I can see that. So I think that there's... But I love that take. Right? Like, I think that there's no denying that Nick loves Gatsby in whatever sense, whether or not it passes from something friendship or familial oriented into something romantic. I'm not sure of. I will probably be taking a third pass on this, but he is very protective of him. And you can tell that he feels a very strong connection to him. So I think that it's something worth considering. See, I disagree with the strong connection to Jay Gatsby. And I feel like it's a connect. It's, it's, it's selfish. It's personal for him. It's like, he, or should should I call it an attachment instead? I don't, but I don't think he, I feel like it's a fascination. Very, very I don't want to say biological, very capable. Primal? Very like, yeah, it's a very primal, it's very primal. It's not 
very the only kind of term I can think of and this is the right one, like Twilight <laughs> imprinting like he he's fascinated and intrigued by what Gatsby has done and who he is and what he's built and why he is but if like Daisy or Jordan or anyone was in Gatsby's position he would be intrigued by the success intrigued by the story and the heartache and the toxicity and the mental illness and all of that and I feel like frankly I think Nick gets a bit of a superiority complex being around all these people which he oh, has completely. no right to have I know that line where he says he's like I'm the most honest person that I've ever known and then he immediately admits to lying to Jordan so I feel like Gatsby as much as he would like his success he also uses Gatsby and Tom Buchanan the other characters as like a place to center himself on a moral high ground compared to these people when they're kind of reflecting the worst parts of himself a plus J. Thank you. And you also said my last name, so thank you for letting me get kidnapped. Shoot. Sorry. I'm likely to get murdered anyway. We can't even go Why to Atlanta. Why can't we go to Atlanta? Anymore. Oh, right. Really? Listeners, today, we hope you've enjoyed our discussion, and we hope that you take away from this that you should form your own opinions and question everything. And on that note, thank you for listening to this episode of In Omnia Paratus. Grab your coffee bowls and don't forget to rate, download, and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. As always, where you read will follow, so head on over to at InOmniaPod on the Instagram and let us know more about what you'd like to hear about. Bye! The earth is round and don't get, don't trust things you see in Facebook ads. <laughs>